Well, I'm saying your fingers and your voice held up just fine. That's yeah. good. Earlier, my voice was cracked. That's what I'm going to All right. Um, I've got a quote for you to start off with this morning, and it's a, a quote from Bryn, Brennan uh, Manning. And you'll probably recognize it once I, once I talk about it, but if you're fan, a fan of DC Talk, if you even know who DC Talk is, uh, one of their songs... Uh, started with this uh, this quote says the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out of the door and deny them by their lifestyles that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable in the passage that we read earlier it says, live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. This is what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, but before we get to our, uh, and, and head in that direction, I want to review just a little bit of what we talked about last week and, and what we talked about a lot on Wednesday. Now listen, if you're not coming on Wednesday, uh, maybe you need to find a ride or something. But we talk about a lot of stuff on Wednesday night, and, and so far, we've kind of been reviewing what we talked about on Sunday on Wednesday night. And this Wednesday is going to be no different, because today, I'm going to focus on love of the fruit of the Spirit, but on Wednesday, we're going to dive into all the rest of it, right? So if you if you have the opportunity, and you, you, you know, you've got nothing else going on on Wednesday night, I would encourage you to come back. And uh, be a part of the conversation. Now, last Wednesday, I started out by saying, you know, I want this to be more conversational, and, and I'm going to ask questions. That did not turn out that way, did it? I just got down there, and I started preaching, and I couldn't stop. So there was not a lot of dialogue going back and forth. But, uh, but this week, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to give you guys an opportunity to talk, because I'm going to ask a lot of questions about the fruit and how they ought to apply to our lives. But... Last week, uh, we talked about the branches and, and the expectation for all true believers in Jesus Christ to remain in the vine who is Jesus Christ himself. And this is important to understand because in John 15 also told us that we can do nothing we are called to do or be a part of separated from the vine. Now, one thing we're going to talk about, again, is the fruit of the Spirit, and it is very clear. We cannot achieve what we're called to do, especially the, as, as fruit of the Spirit is concerned, in our own power. We have got, we have got to remain connected to the vine, and we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to control us, to guide us, to direct us, in everything that we do. That's the expectation. That's not like a benefit we give God. That's the expectation that he has on our life, right? And I, and I said this, I think, on a Wednesday night. Jesus Christ tells us, if you love me, obey my commands, doesn't he? Do you know, are you aware that there are over 60 commands in the New Testament that Jesus Christ himself said that we are to obey? 
Did you know that? So, if you love, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you claim to be a follower of His, but you don't necessarily live in obedience to His Word, how does that jive? How does that line up? And that quote that I read spoke directly to that, didn't it? And see, the one thing that I, I, I'm trying to get across, the biggest thing I'm trying to get across over the last couple of weeks is this. If people outside these walls, the people in your circle of influence, I talk about it all the time and I will talk about it a, a bunch more times. The people in your circle of influence, if they know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if they know that you go to Lynn Haven Baptist Church, they are watching you. They are watching to see what is different about you than me. Why do I need to go to church? What is it? Show me. Show me what the difference is. Now, to be honest with you, all of us fail some, right? I mean, we go out here and people cut us off on the road and we honk our horn and then we pass them and nearly run them off the road. That's hypothetical, right? That ne never happens to anybody in here. But <laughs> hypothetically, something like that could happen. We have to, when we leave this room, that is, that's when it most matters how we act and what we say and what we do and how we treat people. Amen. That's what matters most because those are the folks that need to know that Jesus Christ actually changed your life. That there is actually a difference in you and they want to know what that is. That's how we do it. We do it through living out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives to the people that are in our circle of influence. And we can only be good fruit producing branches if we remain connected to the vine for our spiritual nourishment as our life source. We also learn that being part of the fruit, uh, uh, part of a fruit producing branch is the vine dresser, God himself, will prune the branches so they will they will bear even more fruit and we talked about James chapter 1 that and I 100% I believe this that God allows troubles in our life trials in our life to grow us more spiritually mature that's what James tells us James 1 2 through 4 so and, and I talked about this I think it was on Wednesday night you know, so, uh, there's a lot of, of contemporary songs now that talk about uh, praying that, that God will move this mountain from me, right? I, I've got, I'm, I'm up against this trial. God, please move this mountain from me. I know you can do it. And that's true. He can do it. <clears throat> but the problem is, if you believe that God is in control of absolutely everything... You have to believe that that trial, that mountain, has been placed there on purpose to teach you something. Now, he will, he has the ability to move that mountain out of the way, but guess what? Next week, 
that mountain's going to come right back. Amen. Because there's a lesson to be learned in climbing that mountain. And if we believe God is in control of everything, good and bad, we have to believe that trial is there for a reason. And he knows, see the thing is, he knows we can get over that mountain. And sometimes it's just to prepare us for what's coming next, right? So that's how, and that's why James chapter 1 says, it starts out, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. There's purpose behind everything that we go through. There's purpose, there's meaning. And when we understand that and we allow that to penetrate our hearts, it changes our entire look on everything. Now, I also want to say this about the pruning process, and it happens a lot of different ways, life situations, circumstances, uh, lessons learned from those trials, those times in our lives. But another form of pruning is in hearing and studying the Word of God, right? I hear some of the same comments almost every week, almost every week, something to the effect of, boy, you were stepping on my toes this morning, <laughs> right? Or, I hear this a lot too, do you have a camera set up in our house? How did you know that we were struggling with X, Y, and Z, you know? How did you know that? Those kind of comments happen all the time. Something that dawned on me over the past couple of weeks is this. The further the branch is from the vine, the more disconnected the branch becomes. The more work that needs to happen to get it back to the place it ought to be to be more fruitful. The more pruning that is needed for the branch to be fruitful. Hebrews 4.12, and I'm going I'm to talk about that in just a minute, but Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. Do you guys believe that? Yes. Alive and active. That's right. And what, you know, what I've learned is that I can preach the same sermon to a hundred different people, and a hundred different people will get something different out of it because of their life situation that, they, that they've gone through. And they're like, that spoke so much to me. It's because it's alive, right? And it won't uh, return void. Let me keep reading. Talking about the word is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. Talking about stepping on toes, right? It, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. To put it very bluntly, the more your toes hurt following a sermon is probably evidence of the branch's proximity away from the vine. And we are masters of deception in our own lives, aren't we? We sure like to go to church on Sunday morning and we like to hear <clears throat> sermons and things like that. Most of the time, listen, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. 
Most of the time, we might be sitting there thinking, boy, I wish so-and-so was here this morning. Mm. They need to hear this sermon. <laughs> but you know what we fail to do enough? Is put our own life under that microscope, right? We, we fail way too often to, to come to church with the expectation that God is going to stomp on my toes so hard that I cannot avoid life change. That's what ought to happen. That's what ought to happen every Sunday. Is that we get our toes stepped on so bad that we leave here and we cannot shake that feeling. Because the Holy Spirit has convicted us of something that he wants us to change. And I've hinted this before. I believe in free will. God did not create robots. We have the freedom, every single one of us have the freedom to walk out of here today and not allow anything that I say today change us. We have free will to not allow the, the word of God to change us from the inside out. We're not robots. We have an option. But what we don't like to hear is that there are definitely consequences to those options, right? I've told you a billion times, and I'll say it a lot more. The Bible is full of if-then statements. If you do this, then this will happen. If you act this way, then this will happen. If this, if you treat somebody this way, then this will happen. Both good and bad, the Bible is full of if-then statements. And I already said one, if you love me, then keep my commands. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. So we can't go, we, well, we can, I already said that. We shouldn't go from here getting our toes stepped on and not allow it to affect our lives outside this building, right? We should not be able to separate those two things. Romans 12, 3 says, For uh, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, put your own life under the microscope, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Now, my encouragement to you about this uh, is that, that we are all in the same boat, right? I, I told you guys before, just because pastor is in front of my, my is my title, in, in front of my name, doesn't mean that I am perfect. I got a long, long, long way to go. And I'm telling you right now, every single week when I write a sermon or do that study and everything, all I'm doing is I'm getting up here and telling you what I learned last week. Right? And I'm, just because I have a master's degree from Liberty does not mean I know everything that's in the Bible. We're all in the same boat. We all have, the, and this is scriptural, we all have the same spirit living inside of us, right? Yes. 
And as long as we are living in unity, going in the same direction, man, oh man, nothing can stop that Spirit, that Holy Spirit, from doing the work that He wants done in and through us, right? But man, so often we get in our own ways. The expectation is to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Turn uh, to Galatians chapter 5 if you haven't already. I've got a, a quick story that I, I read about this, this uh, past week. And uh, there, there are these two boys that were uh, downstairs and uh, they were getting ready for breakfast. Uh, Mom was in the kitchen cooking pancakes and different things like that. And the two boys were downstairs. Let's just hypothetically, we'll call them, one of them's RJ and one of them's, uh, uh, I don't know, Jesse or something, you know. And so, uh, no relation, right, Jesse, or uh, RJ? And so, so, so RJ and, and Jesse are sitting in, at the, the, the kitchen table, and Mom puts down a stack of pancakes, right? Big, they're big as the plate. And RJ and Jesse start arguing about who's going to go first, right? And so mom sees this as an opportunity like moms do. This is a good opportunity, a learning opportunity for the boys. And she says, boys, she, she hollers from the kitchen, boys, you know, Jesus would let his brother go first. RJ looks over to Jesse and says, Jesse, you be Jesus today. Yeah. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 13, and we're going to read down to verse 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite, listen to this, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul was warning these believers in, in the church in Galatia that there were obviously people among them that were actively engaged in backbiting, gossip, secret meetings, and such plotting and planning to have devoured those that did not agree with them or get along with. And unfortunately, that is still happening in a lot of churches, doesn't it? We've got people that are in churches all over the United States this morning that are plotting to stab another brother and sister in the back. They have backroom meetings. I've been part of churches. They've had backroom meetings and they've talked about so-and-so and this and that and the other thing and they're getting a group of people together As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to do everything that we can to live in unity, right? Yeah. 
We need to do everything that we can to love one another. Because here's what I do know. None of us are perfect, are we? None of us are perfect. And we ought not think more highly of ourselves and in so deceiving ourselves. Humility in a church family goes a long way, doesn't it? Because it's very difficult to love somebody if you think that they are beneath you. And I'm telling you right now, that happens a lot in churches. And I want to be very, very clear. I need you guys to hear this. I am not talking about any situation in this church. I am not talking about the past of this church. I am not talking about anything that is currently going on in this church. I am not doing that. What I'm saying is, in the future, we ought not do that. And as a congregation of believers, we ought not do that. And most churches, and you probably all have an idea about this, but most churches are destroyed from the very people within its walls that claim to be fruit-bearing branches. And I'm sure that things have happened here in the past, and, there, and I know for a fact that there, there are people in churches that are bent on causing dissension, division, and discord, which we're going to get in a minute, among the body of Christ. And I want you to hear this this morning, that as the pastor of this church and the shepherd of this flock, I'm not going to put up with that. Amen. It will not happen here. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this, If you, brothers and sisters, sin, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. But if you will not listen, or if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that uh, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And now that everyone is aware of how things are going to be handled from this point forward, and the biblical process that is going to be followed, I truly want us to live according to the scriptures and be humble in our service and love each other. Let's keep going, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, uh, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that'll get taken care of. Idolatry and witchcraft. Listen, I'm just going to say this. If you, and this may offend somebody, and that's fine. If you get up every morning and you go get in the paper to see what your horoscope says, cut it out. You don't need that in your life. Who cares that you're a Capricorn? Right? Listen, we need to we need to seek the Holy Spirit Amen. in those things. Not astrology. Right? Right? Then it starts getting pretty serious. Because as the acts of the flesh are obvious, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and faction or factions and envy. In my opinion, short of blasphemy, one thing that God will not tolerate <coughs> is somebody that causes dissension within the body. Mm -hmm. And and if it is that serious to God, it's going to be that serious to me, and it ought to be that serious to you. We cannot allow that type of stuff to happen in a church. It goes on and talks about drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I need you to understand something. That list is a very short list and is definitely not comprehensive. But if you can call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ and you can live in a manner that is similar to those things that we described, Scripture tells us that's a problem. That, that if you have pushed away the Holy Spirit, if you no longer feel conviction about the distinction that you cause in church, mm, there's going to be trouble. And, and I want you to understand this. You would much, much, much rather me come to you and talk about something than you pushing it to the point that God has to handle it. Because we talked about earlier, those who live that way are basically seeking the wrath of God. They're just double-dog daring God to do something to correct their course. And, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this section of, of the passages, but, but one thing that I wanted to say is that, that those characteristics, those traits that are explained there, we need to understand they are not of God, right? Dissension among the body is not of God. Amen. Backroom meetings is not of God. Gossip, envy, jealousy, 
is not of God. So cut it out. That's what scripture's saying. Cut it out. You ought not to live that way. Let's go down to verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, here we go, the fruit of the Spirit. So we talked about this is the way you used to be. These are the characteristics that used to describe you, all these things. But now, since you live in the Spirit, these are the words that ought to describe you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things against such things there is no law remember back at the beginning of the sermon I read the passage that talked about live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord what pleases the Lord is when his children walk in the spirit close to the vine by displaying the fruit of the spirit to everyone God brings along their path on a daily basis. I want you to think about this. The greatest testimony to the world around us and people in our circle of influence is not typically you claiming that you go to some, uh, such and such church. It's not even uh, you claiming to be a believer in Jesus Christ. The greatest testimony you will have to the people around you, your circle of influence, is how you act. Do you, on a consistent basis, display the fruit of the Spirit to everybody that God puts in your path? That is how you are going to make a difference for the kingdom. The amount of money you give to the church isn't going to do it. How many vacation Bible schools you came and you, you sat through and you taught, you know, every fifth grade class that's ever gone through this church? That's not going to do it. You know what's going to make a bigger difference in the kingdom is how you act when you leave this room. To your family members, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. Is there even a difference? Is there even a difference between you and them? Is there anything in your life that draws them closer to Jesus Christ just by knowing you? Do you understand that's the expectation? That's the expectation. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior... He's like, that is awesome. Now go prove it. Go prove it. Go prove that the prayer that you just prayed to me, that you meant it. Now go prove it. Live a life worthy of the calling placed on you. It's all in the Bible. You can check it out. So that's the expectation that all of us have. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, just before his arrest, a new command I give you, love one another, uh, love one another just as I have loved you, so 
Uh, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Our ability to display true Christian love to everyone in our life is the key to the rest of the fruit. What I'm going to end with this morning is I'm going to read part of 1 Corinthians 13. And that is widely known as the love passage, the love chapter uh, in the Bible. I want, as we, as we end the service this morning, what I want you to do is that as I read these words, do these words describe me? Not me, you. Right? <laughs> do these words describe me? When my number's called and I get called home, could this passage be said at my funeral? Right? Because here's what I believe as I studied the fruit of the Spirit, it all starts with love. Because as chapter 13 talks about, if we don't have love in everything that we do, we're like a toddler sitting in the kitchen with all the pots and pans out, banging them with a metal spoon. All our service to the church, all of our, you know, taking meals to so-and-so for years and years and years, all this stuff that we've done, if we are not, if we're doing it out of duty, we're not doing it out of love, it's just a clinging symbol. Everything that we do that is not done out of love is a clinging symbol and a, and a, a gonging, a, a banging gong. So all the rest of the fruit, I think, is, is tied up into this idea of love. And if we cannot, believers in Jesus Christ, if we cannot even get a handle on love, loving each other, <coughs> We're surely going to struggle with joy and patience and kindness and goodness, aren't we? All right, here it is. So what I'm going to read is, I'm going to read verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through the first part of A, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 13. Now remember, not, I sure wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I want you to put your life under a microscope. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. <clears throat> it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always, that is a huge word, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now verse 13, and these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Here's your homework for this week. 
Every day, I don't care what time you do it, every day this week, I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 all the way through. One time. Because here's what I here's what I know. If we can't do this as a church, if we can't love each other despite our faults, right? Because every single one of us has gone. If we can't show love, true godly love to one another, we're in trouble. And 1 Corinthians 13 is a definition of true love. So let's start there, right? My homework for everybody. Read 1 Corinthians 13 all the way through once a day for the next week. With the intent, right? God, show me something I need to work on. Where am I falling short in this area of love? How can I do this better in my circle of influence that hopefully I can draw more people closer to you to further the kingdom of God? Allow the Holy Spirit to work on you, right? No, we haven't arrived. None of us are there yet. So as we do this together, as we work together, I mean, these other fruit, the other part, the characteristics of the fruit, they'll come along. And again, we're going to talk about that uh, more on Wednesday. Lord, I thank you so much. First and foremost, I thank you so much for the freedom that we have in this country to, to still be able to meet like this. And Lord, as we, we talked about a lot of things this morning, and Lord, I just pray that, that as we talked about just how church ought to act, how church ought to be, if we claim to be believers, this is what we ought to be doing, the standard we ought to be living up to. Lord, I pray that, again, however you spoke to each one of us, Lord, I pray that we don't just we don't just leave here this morning and forget what we heard. That we would hopefully welcome some toe stomping. That we would welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit to change us. Because here's what I know that, that when we do that as a church, we won't be able to hold as many people as what that will want to see what's going on here. Because we have something they are looking for. And Lord, it starts with love. So Lord, I just pray that uh, during this time of invitation, I, I would pray that we would just focus on that. We would focus on love. Loving each other, loving our families, loving our community. What does that look like? How have I fallen short? What could I do better this week than I did last week? Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.